asked um, asked me a, a while back, well, I guess a couple months ago, to to talk about um, something that's close to my heart, and that's uh, out there. I love I love this. I love worship. I love uh, being at church. I love I love the gathering of the saints. But but my heart and my passion is out there. I'm never you know I couldn't understand why I couldn't get comfortable just sitting in here. That's just not my thing. I love it. Don't get me wrong. I I, I love praying, preaching, prophesying, praying over situations and, and seeing God move. But, but how many of us know God moves here to move out there? And so we don't see it unless we go out there. We can sit here all day long. We ain't going to see it. And so my passion is out there. Um, and, and, you know, it's funny because when we, when we got ousted, I should say, sent out by the Holy Spirit, we were comfortable. It's like we, we, we were very comfortable. Our child who is um, with us now, his name is Campbell, he, he kind of was a representation of how we were. We didn't, he didn't want to come when he was supposed to come. His due date, he passed his due date, and he was chilling. You know, he didn't want to come out. And they had to make him come out. They had to induce labor. And that's how we were. We were comfortable. We, I, I wrote my Bible. I was never going to go back to Columbia. Uh, I etched out it's the, the scripture where it talks about Jesus. It says, out of Egypt, I call my son. I marked that out and said, out of Columbia, because, you know, he didn't ever return to Egypt. Well, uh, I think God laughed at me that day and said, yeah, you, okay, I'll let you have that one. Um, I got that for 15 years. And then uh, that's when he said, hey, it's um, time, to, time to go. I was like, okay, you know, I've been to Tucson. I was like, is that where we're going? He's like, no, you know where you're going. I was like, no, 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 I don't. <laughs> and he's like, uh, anyway, I won't, I won't get too far into that. I'll tell, I'll tell that later. I'll, I'll, I'll go into that. But I, I must say first, um, man, I love uh, the way you guys do worship. It, it's for this area. I don't like going to places. I would not expect you guys to worship the way we do in Columbia, because this is not Columbia. This is Kirksville. And there's a people around here who need what, what is here in Kirksville. They don't need what's in Columbia. They need what's here in Kirksville. And so it bugs me when I go places, and it's like, oh, this feels just like Columbia. There's a problem, because y'all probably ain't been in the community, because the community don't feel just like Columbia. It's like Kirksville, or it's like Greentop, or it's like Novinger. It, it has to have some kind of resemblance of the community. If it doesn't, you you got to get in the community. Uh, so I love that. I feel that here. And I, and I love that you intermingle it with prayer. We're learning that back home. Um, our worship leader is, is, is just going to this place where he's finding out, wait a minute, worship is prayer, just set to music. And we got to get this whole vein where we're praying and worshiping. We're worshiping in our prayer and, and, we're, and we're seeing the breakthrough. Why would God give a man so entrenched in war the ability to write the Psalms? Because it, was, it has something to go with. Why, why would he send a tribe? We know Judah went. There's something about this thing of worship and prayer that breaks us through and breaks us open into things and situations. And so we're, we're learning this. And so being here, I'm like, man, Leslie is going on this thing. Glenn's come, and, and I'm like, wow, this is, this is great. And so when I go back and say, hey, this, this, is, this is probably right. <laughs> we're probably on the right path here. Hey, you know, sometimes you're just like, I don't know. We're, we're throwing rocks in a bucket. But um, so I, I, I appreciate that. If, is there, if there's anybody here that served in the military, I want to say, um, you know, uh, happy Veterans Weekend. It was Veterans Day. Um, thank you for your service. Uh, seriously, this is, this is such an honor. My, uh, grandfa- my great-grandfather fought in two world wars. Uh, my, I have a great-uncle who fought in Vietnam, and I had an uncle who fought in the Korean War. And so... Uh, I did not go in a list. Uh, they are way tougher than I am currently and ever was. And so, uh, and they used to remind me of that fact. So, um, but I, I respect the office of, of, of that, that place of military, that, that place where people have sacrificed something. And really, those, those should be the most prolific preachers. And so I, I saw some hands raised, so y'all got some messages to prepare. Because, uh, I mean, you look at the book of Philippians and Paul's saying, y'all, y'all know something about this because you're a military town. Yeah. You know, so um, that's, that's my two cents. I'm not here to talk about that. So um, anyway, on with the, uh, what I've come to talk about is preaching the kingdom or punching a clock is the, the title I, I gave it. Um, it's cheesy. A lot of what I come up with is cheesy. The good stuff in here is from God. The cheesy stuff's from me. So if it sounds cheesy, you know where it came from. Uh, but, but for me, a paradigm shift was that marketplace, we call it the marketplace, you go across the street to Hy-Vee or you go to the gas station or you go to Walmart, that's called, the, we, we call it the marketplace, you're then in the marketplace. And, and the, the, the paradigm shift for me was, was once we go to the marketplace, 
we, we all of a sudden in, out, came outside of the places of God and, and left everything at the door of the church to enter the marketplace. And really, the marketplace is the mission field. It, it, we're, we're sent out on Sunday to the field throughout the week. And so Sunday morning is just a celebration and a sending out for everybody in the church to go to their mission field because that's your mission field. And so, you know, I, I remember having a conversation with um, one of my good friends. He was like, where are the miracles? Where, where are the, you know, when Christ went, and, and, and we're sitting there and we're, we're sparring back and forth. And it's like, it's interesting though, that how many miracles did Christ do at the synagogue? Do you know how many miracles Christ did at the synagogue? He did do miracles around the synagogue, but how many times did Christ walk into the temple and do a miracle? I'm not going to give you the number because I don't know myself, but it's not very many. <laughs> but it's not very many. Um, but, but most of his miracles were outside of where people had in the synagogue had to come spy out and say, hey, he healed on the Sabbath. Well, I think, you know, Christ had some respect of things, so he didn't just march in there and do that. But it was while he was going. And so as we are asking and sparring here, it's like, wait, where you been to see these miracles? Who you went to? Who'd you go talk to? Who's, whose hospital bed did you go sit by? Who, who did you encounter and they tell you about their sick relatives that you can see these miracles? Because chances are, it probably ain't gonna just happen right here. Just, just sheer chances if you look at uh, numbers. So I, I'll, I'll throw that there and I'll, I'll keep that there. But the mission field is where we go, it's the marketplace. So biblical examples of this, um, I like to keep things somewhat biblical. Uh, <laughs> no, nah, that was a joke, kind of. Asked my wife, she's like, no, he's not joking. <laughs> but but bi- biblical examples of this, we have Joseph, who Joseph is a huge benchmark in the Old Testament. Well, Joseph's most, majority of Joseph's ministry, other than his getting the left foot of fellowship, because, you know, he got sold from his family into Egypt, a pagan nation, and became what? The second in command in a pagan nation. It wasn't, he wasn't second in command in Jerusalem because we didn't have Jerusalem yet. He wasn't second in command back where he went to where Abraham dug wells. No, he was second in command in a pagan nation. So we, and we read that grueling story of what he had to go through and what he endured, you know, in Egypt. You have Daniel, who was, again, places of second in command, places of uh, authority in Babylon and Persia. And, that, and if you know anything about history, world history, Babylon and Persia were terrible places. These people would, they would put hooks in people's mouth to lead them around if they considered you um, not one of the, the Persians or the Babylonians and you were lower class, so they would lead people around with hooks in their mouth, and that was a game to them. That, they, they, they were very terrible people, but God placed Daniel in that place. And like I said, I would continue on my story. Nehemiah is, one, is dear to, near and dear to my heart because what happened to me about Columbia is I had to go down and, and talk with relatives and talk with different friends and find out the gates of the church were burned with fire. And the walls were broken down. And, and God put something in my heart. And I, and, and, and I was like, God, you tricked me because now I, I'm involved. I, I, am, I, I am now, I'm all in because I, I came with the burden and said, God, you, you got to do something here. Well, he used me to be answered the prayer. And, and not just me, there's others there. But, but he, he said, I'm going to send and answer the prayer through you. So sometimes our prayer, we get involved in, which is great. Can you imagine that God most high will use us to be an answer to prayer? That, that, that to me, I mean, we, we kind of move past these because some of us are church and we've known this and, and it becomes boring. And at that point, I need to recheck my salvation because I should never come boring. Yeah. That God would use me to answer his, uh, to, to come and, and, and work in humanity. He would use me as a huge deal for the most high God to say, I will use you. Yeah. And so that, that's kind of where we're going. Uh, another example is, uh, of course, Paul. Paul was all over, and the, I mean, Caesar, you name it, he was, he was in the marketplace, so to speak. He was out there in the mission field. And so that's where a lot of the basis of what I'm talking about will come from. Uh, and none of this is original. None of it is new. 
it, it's scripture or there are books. I brought a book up here that I'll read an excerpt from, but, but I will, um, if you want notes of the books that, that I've been reading that fuel this, I can definitely send that to uh, Leslie and to Glenn and Chelsea and these guys. You guys can get that. It, it's not original. It's not, it's not my own thoughts. It's just really what God used others to burn in me. Um, sometimes I get kind of out there if I get something original. I'm like, this probably ain't that good because if it's original and somebody else didn't come up with it, I may be off. And nine times out of ten, I am. <laughs> and my wife has to play, yeah, that, that's not, I mean, that sounds good, but uh, you might want to watch some stuff there. And so um, one, another thing I'll tell you about me, I am very low-key. I'm laid back. Somehow God thought it was this great joke or this, his, it's his good pleasure. When, when he puts me in a place and he fills me with the spirit, I become this other person. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily like that person. It's funny. I listened to recordings of me. And I was like, I don't even like that guy. <laughs> I don't even, who, who's this guy? And, and, you know, it's funny. They said it about Paul. He who, who, is, who is intense or who is, who is very um, uh, boisterous in his letters is, is very small in, in person is what they said of Paul. And so I was like, okay, I, I can see that. I, I see what you're doing there, God. But, but it's something about his spirit that, that gives me unction and, and, and energy. And I'm just like, wow, this, this, is, this is the move of God in my life that I hope translates and, and inspires others. Um, and so that, that I'll tell you that too. And so as Chelsea is doing, she's amening. I sometimes may get asked for some participation. Um, we can make this a long or short. If you want to make it long, don't get participation. And <laughs> but if you want it short, in 30 minutes, you can get participate. They, they know this back home. Uh, CJ, our worship leader, he, he definitely knows this. He, he'll, he'll shout me down. He's like, okay, it's lunchtime, so it's, it's time to go. But I'm being facetious, but, uh, but I, I do. I, I think there's a us. When, when, when someone's up here speaking, it's not just that person. It's our spirits joined together and God doing an impartation in the body. Yeah. That's right. It's not a one-man show. It never was meant to be. Right. If you study where people get that one-man thing from, it came from an old covenant, not the new. Not saying that we do away with the old, but the old was obviously a foreshadowing of the new. And what we see in the old translates to, because it says that one man in Moses or David or Abraham is supposed to be, or Adam is supposed to be the foreshadowing of Christ Jesus. And then he comes and he disperses among 12. And then those 12 disperse among 70. And those 70 disperse among 500. And those 500, 5,000. And we see Paul going around and you see his circles huge. Why? Because it wasn't about a man. And never will be. And we wonder why we see churches fail and fall because they, they, they put this man up there who was half cooked already. And then he goes through and he falls. Why? Because God says, I, I, I didn't sanction that. Y'all go ahead and do that. I didn't sanction that. It's about a people. Yeah. I firmly believe that. And I will go to my grave with that because it's about a people. It, it's always been and will, will be about a people. At the end of the day, it'll be about a people. So um, I don't know where that came from. That was the Holy Spirit. All right, let's, let's, let's get moving here. So Paul, I like using Paul because, uh, like, like I said, he's, he's in the community. He's out there. Um, Matthew 28, 18 through 20 is uh, a familiar verse for probably most of us. Is it? It's not. Okay, there, we are. there it is. Anybody who is loud want to read that for me? Oh, nobody wants to read that. <laughs> and Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Ma'am, what is your name? Mary. Mary. Can you, uh, so what, what did he say? Go, he tells them to go where? Make disciples. What did he give them a boundary? Nope. Uh, see, I, I like I like you, Mary. That's, that's, thank you for that. We we he says go there, and and you know what gets me? I, I'm not. I, when I was going in, I was a, probably a problem child. I was a problem child, not even probably. Uh, my mom can tell you stories, um, but I didn't understand. I needed black and white. You can't tell, <laughs> I didn't understand the nuances. And so it's either yes or no. But if it's, well, you, you, you can, but you can't. I, I didn't do nuances. And so I, I say that now. I probably was just a rebellious child. But 
what I love in scripture is sometimes God gives us this black and white and we sit and fight over things that he didn't give us black and white on. But yet this stuff, we, we still can't. It, it, like what Mary said, it go, go there for th- that alone. I think, I mean, that's pretty clear. It's pretty clear. Well, what color should the chairs be? I, that's not clear, but, but that's pretty clear. And you know what you find out when, when you do this? The color of the chair, the carpets, or what we pray and how, what we sing don't really matter that much because you're doing this. And so you don't care what the color of the chairs are, just have some chairs. <laughs> you don't care what the carpet looks like. You don't care what the music sounds like. Just, just have something prepared because we bring in something. When we go, we're bringing them with us. Amen. So it's funny that, you know, this, this gets off and everything else goes downhill. But this is pretty, it's pretty definitive. Like, go, go there for, you know, baptizing, teaching. Everybody's equipped. Everybody's equipped. If, if you just had a, one Sunday of the lesson, you're equipped. I mean, think about it. Jesus sent the garrison, the demoniac of the garrison. That, that guy, I don't know what he did to be in that condition, but Jesus healed him, cast those demons out, and sent him to, he said, hey, you go evangelize. What? What about Bible college, Lord? I mean, you know, what? The seminary, something. I mean, no, give this man three years under, no, he said, no, you go to your people. That, that to me is amazing. It's amazing to me. Okay, I'll keep moving. So what I tend to do is ask a lot of questions. That's just um, how I feel things get clear. So one thing we'll talk about is contextualization. I don't like contextualization and, and what it's become. Because it says, how, how can we lower the gospel that people will actually come and accept it? How, 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 far, how much can we water this thing down that people will be able to come in and, 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 and not trip over the gospel. So, we, so it, it becomes, it gets little, little, and it's like, that's not my job to do. What, what healthy contextualization is, is saying, what is my community? Who, who is my community? Or who, who are my community? doesn't work, so I'll say who is my community. But who is my community? Who, who, and, what, and what is my community living? What, what are they doing? What, what do they feel? What, what are the pains? What are the things that are going on in my community that the gospel is the answer to? That's contextualization. It's not mine. I don't have to mess with the gospel. I just need to find out whether the question is being asked in the community so that the gospel goes and addresses those. Not do, how do I fix the gospel so that it works. That's, that's between them and God. We're just a messenger at the end of the day. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Salvation does not belong to the market. Sometimes I think so, and I think I have this great idea, and God reminds me, hey, hey, that's my job. Do your job. The New England Patriots, uh, I hate them, but that's, that's their, you know, <laughs> do your job. <laughs> that's their, that's, that's Belichick's system. Do your, look, I don't want you to be a receiver. You're, you're a defensive end. Do your job. And I'll worry about the rest. That, and that's why they mesh, because he puts me, you do your job. And if you don't, you're going to Cleveland. And don't nobody want to go to Cleveland. <laughs> so, <laughs> as we've seen, <laughs> ask Jamie Collins. Anyway, so that, that's the system. And this, this is what God, God has a system. Do your job. I'm not supposed to convict somebody of their sin. If you read the Bible, whose job is that? Anybody? Holy Spirit's job. Why are we trying to do his job? And if we're half as good, he's been doing it for a long, long, long time and is great at it. It's not your job. Whose job? Is, salvation belongs to who? The, Lord. the Lord's. That, so, so whose job is it to actually save somebody? The, God's job. He's, and he's been doing that for a long time. Do your job. We are just what, some plant, some water, but God causes the growth. Why are we, we trying to make things grow? We can't do that. We just got to do our job. And let's be a mouthpiece and go into the marketplace. So what, and as I ask these questions, you don't have to answer these. Um, some of them I can't even answer, honestly. And, 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 but you, you will be able to if you give yourself to it. Um, it's just some I, I, don't, I can't answer because I don't want to answer, honestly. And, and pray for me and pray for us. Pray for our church back in Columbia that we don't get comfortable and, and try to build something to tell people to come to instead of saying we need to go and, and, and reach because we've done that too long, and people said, oh, well, Pat, it's irrelevant. I'm not going there, it's irrelevant. But when you show up there, some, something happens, there's just an interaction. But, I mean, goodness, we're called to be like Christ, right? What did he do? He didn't say, here, y'all come to heaven. Get, y'all get up here. And they tried, y'all get up here. Come on, they, oh, Bathsheba, huh, at rooftop. Come on, Mo, the rock, you struck the rock? Man, uh, come on, Abraham, uh, Ishmael. 
I, I mean, because it only takes one. It only took one. One time and you were disqualified. Jesus didn't say, come on up here. Y'all get up here. Some, somebody got to make it up here. And then, no, he, he came where we were. That's why he could say that with authority. We don't have to put it back up there. But that's why he could say that with authority. Because he did it. Yeah. And so, so, as I am in the world, so are you. He said it in John, the, the, the most boisterous, just, just crazy, the idiotic prayer I've ever heard in my life is in John, that we would be one with the Father. It's like, who prays that? Then he says, hey, I'm, as, so as I was sent in the world, I'm sending you. Wow. Jesus got a lot of stock in us because I'm like, look, <laughs> you, I think you might have missed it on that one. Maybe the, the, the handover was a little too quick, but we know God doesn't miss anything. Romans uh, eleven thirty six. If um, you could put that up there, please. For him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. This verse will get you in trouble. Last night, me and my wife were in a bar, watching football. But we were in a bar. You know why we were in the bar? And they don't serve food either. Which you, I'll get to that. So. <laughs> we were in a bar because one of my coworkers who had the audacity to come to an Easter gathering with his whole, brought his whole family. I just invited him because I didn't think he'd bring his whole family. My faith, hey, you know, I'm there. I didn't think he'd bring his whole family, but he brought his whole family and, and they invite us to their house. And now somehow we're friends with the family. And so she had a birthday party. They like to drink and she had a birthday party at this bar and we went to the birthday party. All things. I'm not saying we, we're legalized. No, we don't sign his name to something, but hey, the enemy ain't got no territory. That's right. That's right. He's a usurper. He, ain't got, he don't own one iota of nothing. Amen. And that's something Paul understood. And so Paul could go to places and, and evict, the, not, not play with the enemy, evict the enemy and then take over and say, okay, now we're going to make this house one of the house of the, of the most high. What, what we need to do here. It, that's what we have, are being called. So we go to ITAP. Why? To fellowship. And we didn't, and nobody, or you're not drinking. They, nobody, nobody cared. I had a Coke. She didn't want me to have a Coke. She wanted me to get water. I had a Coke. I wanted a Coke. <laughs> I don't drink soda a lot, but I wanted a Coke. And so, uh, and it was a dollar. I mean, come on. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, but I, I got my Coke and then I had to, I didn't get anything else after that. But, but we didn't, and I'm not saying you don't drink or you do drink. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying you go and you be an example and the, and the people that you, that we think, oh, they're going to talk about, they don't even care. They're just glad we came. They're just glad we showed up. They ordered pizza. We had ate before. We should have probably prayed and seen if we were supposed to eat before, but I still had a slice of pizza. Um, <laughs> you'll learn that about me. I, uh, it, that gluttony thing, Glenn, you know, Glenn's been praying for me, but I, I like to eat. <laughs> that's my, that's that. I like to eat. I think the Lord liked to eat. I have a whole doctrine on that, but I'm not here to talk about that. But, but we went to the bar and we hung out there. And then they said, hey, you guys need to come back to our house. Okay, let's set it up. And I told her, as long as you make those greens, I will be back. <laughs> this couple is so close to the kingdom, yet so far away, but they're so close. They don't even know it. And so, so we went there, and, so that, and that's where we go there with. The, the enemy doesn't own any of this. He, he doesn't. What, so here's some questions. What are the dominant values of those I work with, and how does the gospel redeem or reject these values? So this is for us to, when we're going to our workplaces, when we're going to Walmart, when we're going down the street, when we're deer hunting, I was out there yesterday. Man, y'all pray that I get a deer. I, I, I'm paying the $17, and I'm kind of getting sick. It's been like four years I've paid $17. And my parents work for the conservation department, so I'm sick of paying their salary. And, and I'm not, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> y'all pray for me. I'm a mess. But, but uh, pray that I get a deer this week. I, I, I need to get a deer. And so I was out there. It was nice being out there, you know, in, in, the, in the wilderness, but I, I'm out there for a reason. And so um, as you're doing that, as you're on the go, as you're, as you're conversating, it's crazy. We have, we have a neighbor who's a big hunter. His, his name is Kelly. You wouldn't know him, but he's an older man. This, he went and scouted the land for us. We didn't ask him to do that, but the man's lonely. 
and his, his kids don't come around. So he invited us in. He took us down to a spot. We're talking with this guy. And God says, you see, you see, anywhere, you see that I, I'm at work everywhere. I'm, God's not approved that says you shouldn't go there because you got to go to church. God says, no, just, if you go, just go in faith so that, that you can win some. It, it's not about not going. It's about when you go, go show up in faith. That's, that's what it says. It's not, God's not a prohibitionist to fun or to things that we enjoy doing. Just when you go, just know that we're in him. We live, move, and have our being. There's no, I take off Christ and I go into my job. I don't take off Christ and go to Walmart. Christ is in me. It's all in all. And so everywhere I go, him and the Holy Spirit show up. And so then I show up to hunt, but God's touching this man over here. And then I got to keep him on track and say, hey, I'm still trying to hunt. So will you make your salvation experience quick? You, you know, you, you, you kind of, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> You don't, you don't need, look, y'all pray for me, but, but you know, it, it's just that we show up in that and, and the element of who he's made us. Everything is the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. What are the unique political zoning, educational and commercial concerns of the people I work with? You have to talk to people to know that. What, what are the third places frequently utilized by those I work with? What are those, those bars? Is this the, Ellis and Joe like that bar. Um, or, or they go to happy hour, and I don't like to go. I, I actually didn't want to go. Um, I was like, I'm not going to happy hour. I'm going to go home and be with my family. And, and Jesus said, well, what if I'm going to happy hour? Like, well, Lord, I'm going to have to read you the Bible because you shouldn't be going to happy hour. And, and, you know, you get, you, sometimes you get like that. And you're like, God, you, you should know. I mean, they drank there. Oh, okay. Well, well, well you know, they, they, that's where they drown their sorrows. Oh, great. That's where I need to be. That's where I need to be. I, I'm all about healing where people need healing. They turn to alcohol. I can, re, I can get in there. And I'm like, God, well, okay. So then it comes down to it because you get those people who love rules. The real reason is they don't want things that happen because they don't want to do it. And they can't handle it. It's true. I, I'm, look, you know what? They, they can, they, we, it's not, we are not aiming for religion. We're aiming for the kingdom of God here on earth. Religion has, is dead and has not done anything for years. And so be gone with that. Let's tell the truth and be honest and we'll be changed. The reason I didn't want to go to the bar is I didn't want to go to the bar. And I could think of all these verses to support my opinion. And Jesus said, look, I don't care what you know about the scripture. I am the word. Don't tell me about, I am the word. You're going to, to the bar, to the happy hour. And, you know, going to the happy hour, I've learned about people who, has, who have been just abused in ways, people who, who have had horrendous things happen to them, and we're talking at a bar because that's their safe place. That's their third place. Never would have known some of the things that I found out about people because I humbled myself and got off my high horse and had to do some orthopraxy, because my, orth my orthodoxy was there, but it didn't match my orthopraxy. And I had to go to this happy hour. Now, I don't go to every happy hour. They do it every Friday. I don't go to every, and, and I do. I, I get to a habit where I got to pray, Father, and you know, you can do this, Father, are you going to this happy hour? <laughs> you know, you do. So sometimes you're like, uh, and so you, and he's like, no, you know what? I'm, you, you go home. You're good. But there's those where it's like, you, you know it. You don't even have, it's just the unction of the spirit. You know it. Man, I got to go to this. You know those things. What are the, what does good news look slash sound like at my workplace? And you guys are equipped to know that. Glenn's not equipped to know that. Glenn's not working there. You guys are there. Chelsea's not there. You're there. Mary's not there. You're, you're there. You're equipped to know these things. God sent you there. And so you, you know what the gospel sounds like at your workplace. The problem is we bring them in the Sunday thinking we should bring them in to get the gospel and it doesn't, it doesn't coordinate with where they are. And so they don't come back because it's like, well, man, you invite me to church. But I tell you something different when you're the, the, the bringer of the gospel. Because you know the context. You know where they are. You reach where they are. This is why it's about a people, not about one man or one couple. It's about a people. How does the gospel address the longings for good news expressed by the people at my workplace? And this is one of my favorites. Am I portraying the gospel as the reportage of vibrant news of something that actually happened in history and has immediate and future impact or as a dusty old religion that may or may not change the way one sees the present future? The present and the future, excuse me. 
I'm going to read that again because I kind of botched. I, I just want this to, I, I, and we talk about impartation. I want this because this, this, this plagues me. Now, am I portraying the gospel as the reportage of vibrant news of something that actually happened in history that changes things and has immediate and future impact or as a dusty old religion that may or may not change the way one sees the present and future? I, I'll give a story on this. There's a man at, at when I used to work at Kraft here in town, I don't think it's Kraft anymore, it's Kraft Heinz, I think. But uh, before they, they, they were bought out, um, I used to work in this man, and he was, a, I thought he was an upstanding citizen, you know, a great guy, did his job, um, spoke well of people. He came running in and he said, hey, hey, you, you, uh, you, you like to look at, you know, you like to look at stuff, right? I'm like, uh, what? stuff is very vague. Uh, I, I like to look, but I mean, I have things I like to look at and things I don't like to look at. Well, this guy was alluding to uh, pornographic things on his phone. And my first response in my head was, I don't look at that stuff. That stuff is, the, you know, just, just to bring up this guard of I, I don't, you know, my rule system, Pharisaic, I don't do. And, and, and God says, no, no, no. Why don't you tell him why you don't look at that stuff? And I talked about my wife. You know what this man began to tell me? Man, you know, my, my wife is really upset with me. She's been upset with me for two years. We don't really talk a lot. And his wife actually worked there. You know, she, she works overtime, so she's not at the house. It, it's funny when you don't go off a rule, I don't do, and you, and you actually touch an issue, that he didn't respond saying, well, I won't show you that. And, and what, but he, he began to talk about why he does, because that's, that's just a fruit of a root. It's just a fruit of a root. I, I'm t I, I don't have this down. I, I've just slipped into this stuff. Like, I'm just like walking, and, and, and believe me, I'm thick. Like, so if I can do it, y'all definitely got this. I mean, this is, this is something, you, you got this. But, but, and, and, and God says, see, this is where if the gospel is vibrant, it changes something. If it's real, it, it changed the course of people's lifestyle. And so then my drag Mondays, I had to give up my drag Mondays. Um, what I mean by drag, dragging into work. I, that, I, I could have had a, a Monday morning um, just woe is me party. I could have let it. I, I, I just, we go in, oh, it's Monday. And God says, look, we're going to have to talk about this because that does not represent my kingdom. That does not represent my spirit. Matter of fact, you're, you're anti what I'm doing. You, you can't keep running in there talking about your Mondays being terrible. It's like, well, well, God, Mondays are terrible. <laughs> like, this is in my mind. I come out, look, great Sunday, the day of rest. You, you said that seven days. I mean, you're coming in. No, no, you, no, that's not you. Every, every day for you should be a good day. And so, and it wasn't like I had to, I, what I had to do is I love that Leslie um, exhorted us in. We have will involved here. Yeah. We have will. We can choose to say it is not well with my soul. And I'm up, and, and 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 I think I see everything. I'm a negative person. It's not well. Or we can choose to use our to take our will and to really look at things of what God is doing and who He is, and say, you know what? It is well. Yeah. Car broke down, but it's well. My 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 son's sick, but it is well. My my bills are are due, and I don't have much in the bank, but it is well. I didn't get a deer this weekend, but it is well. You know, I mean, it, it doesn't have to be a huge thing. Sometimes it's a little thing. I had to wake up at, at 630. And I usually, like, on the weekends, get to wake up at 8, but it is well. But it is well. And you go in with that and people, it, it's little simple things. I mean, it's not rocket science. Little bitty things where people are like, man, why, why are you happy every Monday? Everybody else is dragging in here and you, you're, you come in with a pep in your step saying good morning to people. Because for me, it's not a, it's not a, a lot I have to do for people to, to realize that. Because I, 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 man, I, I could be a drag. Like, I could walk in and not, I won't talk to people, get to my desk. People ask me questions and I'll look at them and keep working. Like, and, and my look is, you know I'm working, right? Don't, you, you know I, I got a job to do and you should be doing your job. That's, that's a, it's terrible, but, and it's true. All of this is true, but, but it's not, I'm not salt. I'm not lighting anything. I'm really, I, I'm just left to be trimmed, but when I come in and, and, I'm, and I'm, good morning, how are you? How's your weekend? People are like, wow, you, you really care about my weekend? And they actually care because we're Christians, we actually care. It, it, that, that, it's those little things that portray the gospel. The other one is mobilization. 
Mobilization, we hear these, if you're ever getting to missiology or hear like um, missions uh, things and people talk about mission, you know, mobilization is a big thing. We need to mobilize, mobilization. Mobilization is only an act repeatedly over time. So an act repeatedly over time. Just keep doing it. You wear it down. You just keep, keep doing it. That's what mobilization is. You keep doing it. Christ's followers on mission with God, following the Holy Spirit while demonstrating and declaring the gospel of Jesus to a specific pocket of people is mobilization. Your job site, it qualifies. Walmart, it qualifies. It's funny, I have um, friends who like to go to the mall. I do not like the mall. Not, not even a little bit. God's still working with me. I do not like the mall. I can't stand them. I, I pulled in a parking lot and immediately I feel like this Elijah thing where I want to call down fire on the mall. And so uh, when we get there, I, I just, it's hard for me to be at the mall. Well, I have friends who love the mall. And so um, going in, I, I don't even get past, I get in the cafe court and I'm done. I, I, I'm ready to turn back around and get in the car. We haven't even gone shopping yet. But it's just, some, I just don't, it's not my cup of tea. I don't like to be around a ton of people. That's just me. And God says, I, I'm glad that's you. So let me tell you about me. So <laughs> here's what I'm doing. And so when we go to the mall, now I, 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 I don't sit there and grimace. You can, I, I, I've gotten better. Um, I, I actually, you know, have a pleasant face so that I'm approachable. Because <laughs> a lot of times I'm not approachable and don't want to be approachable. And then, you know, you, you go and, and you're looking for an opportunity. I, I, don't, I didn't used to, and I, I still, I'm working on that. I don't look for opportunity. But that's, that's mobilization. It's going and looking for those opportunities. You act repeatedly looking for those things. And so that, that's what we're, it's not, it's not going to a different, I, I hate that we make this about going on missions trips. We, we go on a mission trip like every day. We, we do. I mean, you go somewhere where you, you go and you encounter people. That We do that every day. When we call people missionaries, they ain't even missionaries. We call, I, I remember going to a missions conference, and I love the mission conference, but these people are in their own country. How are they missionaries? They're working in their own country. They, they, okay, they're, they're church planters or they're working in their, but they're not missionaries. They're at their own country. But in essence, we're all missionaries because we're sent by God with the message. And so in that, in that, yeah, everybody qualifies, but goodness, everybody qualifies. So we, we are on mission. I hope this isn't boring to you because this is not, I can talk about this all day long and not be bored because let me tell you, um, if it had not been for someone who had been on mission, I wouldn't be before you. I'd probably be either in jail or dead and the bets were out on either one. I had teachers who would tell me that. I had teachers who were betting on that. I have teachers I can't wait to try to run across because they probably have a heart attack. They're like, you're doing what? <laughs> what kind of, is it a Satanist church? What, like, what kind of church? <laughs> they, they, serious. They, if it had not been for someone on mission, I would probably still be living a hellish lifestyle. Because somebody, and, I, and I'll tell you, it wasn't, I'm, I, Kirksville was the end result. That was God, it's like God had this grand scheme, of, and that's why I look at it, it's the long game for me. I'm not looking for immediate, although I want and I pray for immediate, but it's the long game. Are we in it for the long game? Because to, to, it, took, it took about 15 years for me to actually come to Christ, and there were people where God had them along the road for the long game to get me in to where he could put me in a place to, to reach me. Sometimes we just look for the immediate, we walk around, we walk away, and we don't see the long game play out, or someone else reaps the harvest, which is fine, too. But there was this church there in Columbia, and they're still there. I don't know if the youth leader was still, but he would come and pick us up in our neighborhoods. Mind you, we only wanted to, me and my friends would go there. It was on Wednesday, it was a Wednesday or Thursday night, because there two things. Here's our motive. We could go, and hey, they had pretty girls in their youth group. And so uh, we were going for the girls. The second thing was we could tell our moms we were going there. Then we could run, run off after we got there and go to the parties we wanted to go to. Win-win. So we'll get on the youth group bus. Now, I know some of us are like, oh, I wouldn't pick those kids up. But they had no idea what got sown to me. I had no idea what, what God was doing to me. And so now I'm always looking for this church to see if I can meet people from this church and say, hey, you don't know this. But because of your efforts and what you did, God led me to a process where I got saved. You don't know this, but this happened. And so they, they, they would do it, and they would do it repeatedly. And they, they saw what we were doing. I mean, they didn't, now they weren't unwise, but they saw what we were doing, and they still picked us up. 
religiously. They come get, and then my mom will go out and say, you sure these boys are not giving, because my mom knew, you know, she, she, moms know this stuff. You sure these boys aren't giving you problems? And he's like, oh, no, no, Miss Brown, they're fine. And he take us. We were giving him problems. But he, he want, there was something in his spirit that said, I got to repeatedly do this because God is reaching these, these kids. Now, all of us didn't get reached. Um, now are some I'm working on. Uh, but, but, but God did. He used that to start the process. What are the, okay, I read that already. Are we, yeah, I'm going to skip through some of this. No, Campbell, it is not your turn. What do you currently possess that would be beneficial to, actually, I need to back up to be able to read that. So we're going to go into, um, this, is, this is specific. You can write this down if you want. You can put this in your mind if you want. I don't li- like to take notes because I never look at them. Um, and so I try to keep it in my mind or I'll text myself because I look at those. I've been trying to be creative because I just don't, I don't like, educational stuff. <laughs> you wouldn't know that from what I'm going through, but I really don't. It's all God. I do not like, I, I loathe school. I used to get, I got, I always got an A in, in PE. Athlete, I got an A, every PE class. Never, never got a bad grade in PE, but it doesn't marginalize out across the board. So if you just get an A in PE, you're still failing if you get an F and everything else. So I, I found that out pretty early on. But I had an A in PE. And lunch. I loved lunch. I thought that they should give you a grade for lunch because I think it's an art to eating. Again, we're back here. There's an art about it. You should get a grade for that. But I'll, I'll, I'll maybe press for that later on. I think there should be a grade for lunch. If you eat well, you should get an A. I would have gotten an A at lunch. But, so I don't, and so anyways, you're thinking, just, just put it in your head or, or however you think about it. But this is for us to, to mobilize us. What, who has God called you to serve? And mind you, it's somebody. If, you're, if it's not someone, you're probably going to die tomorrow. That just got somber, but that's the truth. If God didn't put you here for you to reach somebody, then you probably... I, Damon used to tell this story. Damon Sturm. I, I love Damon and Jackie. Um, Side, but this is why stuff goes long. I always gotta, I gotta do the relational connections. Damon and Jackie um, have been friends of yours for years. Uh, they, I think da- Jackie taught her basketball, uh, Gabriana's basketball team. Damon has uh, been a soccer coach. Caleb has been a soccer coach. Those were the meanest soccer coaches I ever had in my life. I learned so much from them, but the, no, hey, no pain, no gain was like the name. Of, it, it, I don't know if Caleb, you remember those little shorts we had to wear? That was so messed up. But <laughs> they, they were so, like, you look and watch soccer, they wear short shorts. Well, we're in Kirkland, we don't know. And, and Caleb's like, man, you guys suck this up. You put the, you wear, you don't wear them, you don't play. Well, we wore the shorts. But um, people could say, wow, man, were you hurt by that? No. It was an amazing time. I think people need to suck it up sometimes. It was an amazing time. I had some of the best times of my life in, that, in, those, in those times. And, but Damien used to tell this story about a lady that um, was going to, the doctors gave her, you know, notice she was probably going to die and needed healing. And he said this lady, it was, I think it was at the reservation, he said this lady was so uh, cantankerous. She's just, just a very ill person. And, and he told her, he said, you know what, why won't you pray and see if God would, would, would prolong your years on, on earth, but, but what is God going to get out of this? And I'm not, and we're not going through doxology and all. I'm just saying this is the story. And so the woman went and prayed to God, and, and, and Damon said before he knew, this woman was like witnessing uh, at, at, during the services, at front worshiping, and just had this, ve- this zeal and vigor. Well, she didn't die. And I think she lived of some, and some of you know Damon heard the story maybe 15 years later, but she lived for a while because God, she wasn't impacting anybody, and God was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and uh, bring you home. And so who are we called to serve? Everybody here is called to serve somebody, some people group. Now, it's, some are small, some are big. That, that's not a merit. That's just who, who we are. But some, you were all called, called to serve somebody. So who are you called to serve? And be specific. Ask it. I know for me, Ellis is someone that God has called me to reach in Columbia. El, Ellis uh, Carter and Ellis and Joe Carter. They're, they're people that I know, without a shadow of a doubt, I'm called to reach in Columbia. Um, Sam Bradley is another person that we're, and it's at my workplace, but I know these people, this is specific for me, I know this. These are people I'm called to reach. You know these people as well. What are the five most pressing needs of that group? Think practically. What are the five most pressing needs? Mine, mine is very easy if I would just um, stop fearing man and fearing God. 
and, and, and walk in that uh, reality that God is who he says he is. They all need family. Every one of them, they come from terrible families, just jacked up, just messed up family situations. Stuff that I had never heard before, especially Sam and these different ones. It's messed up family situations. Well, that's easy. It seems easy. It's not easy. Believe me, I struggle with this. It's not easy. But for, me, for them, it's family. It's not that for everybody. So think practically. What are those needs? I, I will tell you, in a year, if you, if you, as we're going through this, if you do this, you, you'll be looking for another, or expanding, you'll be looking to expand this, this sanctuary. It's not about size and numbers, but I'll tell you, this, this grows your church. There's nothing you can do about it. So if you don't like uh, larger churches like myself, then you'll have to, you know, tell Glenn, guys, you know, sideways, you got to leave and go find somewhere smaller. But th- this will grow your church. That's what it does. God, God is, God is he, he grows. That's what he does. And so it, this will do it. And it will be through you. And it will be through people. Glenn won't even know some of these people. So I won't even know some of these. Leroy's won't even know some of these people. Like, who is it? Oh, well, this is my co-worker's daughter. And, and it's like, man, that, and they'll have, just have to call them by what they do. Like, at, at, at church right now, we're kind of getting to the point, not in growth, but as people that we've touched and we've been around, where they're like O's people. We have a lady whose name is O. Amase is her whole name. And she's from the Gambia. Well, you can probably notice that people from, who are international tend to gravitate towards Amase. So Amase has this whole, she has these people that we go places, she's hugging these people, kissing them. I'm like, who, who, are, who are these two? Those are O's people. I don't know those people. O knows them. They're O's people. And so you'll get to that point where, where you'll see, you know, you'll see Mary's people. Like, man, those people, they come, well, those are Mary's people. And not that we label people that belong to, but in the relationship, people are grafted in and joined to you. That's how it works. So you, your church will grow. I guess that should be good news, but someone like, I'm, I'm an introvert, man. Like, <laughs> I am, and so someone like me, that's bad news. I'm like, man, why? <laughs> can we just get a church of six? I'm good with that. <laughs> I could do it. What do you currently possess that would be beneficial to that group? And you think practically on that. What do you currently possess? What, what do your friends and family members currently possess that would be beneficial to that group? Where is God already working, and how can you join him in his, restora- in his restorative healing ministry with this group? What are, where are the people you are called to serve, finding sense of identity and purpose? All those are crucial issues. That if, you, if, you, if you answer those, you're able to reach in a way that it's, it's just not fair. It's like pulling fish out of a barrel, literally. All right, and in closing, I have a guy, we have a guy in our church, his name is Buddy. Uh, I always have to, it's like, Buddy, I'm closing. I only got two pages of notes. Buddy is not um, full now. Two pages or even a page and a half means nothing to me because I tell too many stories. And so I'll tell Buddy, I have, I have a page and a half of notes, and he just kind of looks and smiles. Like, yeah, whatever, that means nothing. How, how, how many stories you got? <laughs> um, yeah, we'll, we'll do Daniel. And we'll, we'll breeze through this. But one thing I do want to touch on is the influence that Daniel had. Daniel had this extraordinary influence in Babylon and in Persia. He just had, it's just, it flowed through him. So what, what is influence? As Glenn talked about this influence in the sphere and, and the people he's working around, influence in a region, that's true. You have influence in a region. I think God doesn't look at just... He, he, he's able to zero in on one person, but God's plan is so beyond that. You're, you're here in northeast Missouri. This is where we came out of. This is where I got saved. This is where I learned the gospel and learned how to live. I'm telling, I'm used, you get me, we go to a place, and I'm like, that's not, where's some of, I think it's just all black people here. I'm like, baby, there ain't no white people here. And, and you know, because I'm used to being in northeast Missouri. <laughs> around a lot of white people. That's what I'm used to. So we go, I'm like, are we the only white people? Here? I mean, okay, I get are you the only white person? So, you know, you, when you get to that point where you end up transcending cultures on accident, you're somewhere. God is moving you somewhere. I don't fit nowhere. I, I really don't. And so we, I, I'm, I, I got the gospel from here. God, God trained me up here. I got married here. This is, this is where my family started. This is where I have family members. This is, this is my home away from home. I've been able to connect with guys in Columbia that they're from uh, Novinger. 
came out of Edina, came out of Kirksville. You know, I've been able to connect with that. Why, why is that? Because they're like, man, you, you, you kind of understand some things that, that I wouldn't think you understood. It's like, yeah, it's because, you know, you can't hear it, but I'm, I'm, that's, that's my home too. <laughs> that's where I'm from. <laughs> that's where I learned Christ, where I was raised. 15 years of my life was spent here. God looks at a region. Had it not been for this place, we wouldn't be there. Hey, and guess what? Quincy's the same way. This is where Jermaine and Maria formed their, this is where their family started. This is where Maria came and learned the things of God. This is where Jermaine came and met her and began to get engrossed in the things of God and, and worship in the church and, and, and was formed here. And he's in Quincy. God's always bigger than what we think he is. It's not, it's great to be here, but it's not about here. It's, it's, he, he's in a region. That's why Glenn could say, hey, I want to go in a region. I mean, don't get me started with Heartland. Goodness. I mean, we, those of us in this room know a ton of people out there. It's about a region. And so as you affect, man, I've, I've met so many people in Columbia from this area. It's crazy, from Macon. And I'm like, what are y'all doing here? Well, that's, that's where they came. I mean, connections where I'm like, wait, do you know this person? I think our sister, my sister-in-law, her sister met a couple that's from Edina that knows um, people we know in Edina. It's crazy. They're our neighbors. It's, it's, it's phenomenal how God puts us together. So it's not just, you have influence beyond where you are geographically placed. You have influence beyond that. So I want, I'm going to touch on influence real quick. Influence is just the flow. It flows from you. You don't, influence is not something you work at, you develop, it flows from you. Like Leslie's influence, if you watch me around Leslie, I, um, uh, Leslie's a, a leader to me, to me, because I, I've seen, I remember being, seeing her when they were here in Kirksville. I remember being in Tucson and being around, looking for some sanity in a place where we, there would be some clarity. Leslie was there. And so to me, people were like, oh, you know Leslie? It's like, oh, do I know Leslie? <laughs> it's, like, it's like, does Leslie know me? That, that is, it, it, she, she carries weight. Why? Because she has influence. She served. She cared for and so you, you want, you, it's not about, well, well you're, you're a pastor down there, shouldn't you? Aren't you? No, 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 no. No, she has influence. She could, she could come down there any day of the week and say, hey, I've been thinking about this about you guys. And we tell the church we're meeting on a Wednesday to hear what Leslie has to say. Why? Because it's, that's what influence is. It's not something you work up. It flows from you. It's, who, it, it, it's floating. So influence is something that flows. Something that flows out and causes change, usually a force that is in, imperceivable or hidden. Like the leaven, you know, those, you know the parable of leaven that you put in there and then the whole bump gets leavened. Or like Daniel where he influenced places. People who, have, who lead by living in a proximity to scores of ordinary people who are looking for some source of wisdom, discernment, power, truth, and other qualities that begin to transform, or transform work Wow. Begin. See, I'm trying to rush. The Holy Spirit doesn't like when we rush, but that's, that's my life. I'm, I'm always rushing somewhere. Transformative work on their lives. And so influence is just you being able to be in a place to transform. I think of the, uh, like a beauty shop. I, I, I thought about it the other day. I was like, man, maybe we should open up like a, like a, a hair. Her sister is a, um, went to school for that. And so I was like, maybe we open. You can just talk to people. I mean, you can't, you can, and, 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 and it's, it's like expected. It's like, man, that is like the most co-op thing that God, just, just, just like, th- those are the Navy SEALs in the kingdom right there. Like, this secretive. They can just talk about, and people come in there and share their whole life story because they're getting their hair cut, or they're getting their nails done, or, or, you're, or it's like, or they're waiting, and you're like, man, we, maybe we should just form a bunch of those. Those are the most influential people. You, when you hear people talking, yeah, I was talking to the lady that does my hair said this. It's like, well, does she have a degree? I don't know. You, they don't care. <laughs> they don't care about the validity of it. It's just that someone was listening, and I, go, and I see them on a regular basis, and somehow they've gotten influence in my life. Right. It's crazy. That's, that's like the most, like, just, just undercover thing. I, I love those people. Those people are in their, in their shrewd, too. The people who do hair, they're shrewd. They, they know how to push that play button. They're going to find it. And they may not, may not start out for it, but they're going to find it, and they push that button, and it's on. And they got people crying. You know what I'm talking about? Like, how in the world? And you watch them. Be careful. <laughs> you know, they're, they're worse. The people are, are worried about psychiatrists. You worry about those hairdressers. They're, they're worse. They, they'll get you. You're like, wait. <laughs> I wasn't supposed to be talking about that. But that's how it works. That's how God does it. It's that influence. You see, this, the, the, the place that you laugh, you, you understand that. You see that. You know that. 
<laughs> is it you? Okay. Oh, oh, oh wow. I, I, thank, we're having lunch. So. There's four? Oh, y'all in trouble. <laughs> y'all have four? Wow. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, look, I'll be blabbing and everything. But no, these are these. You you use that gift, man. You are gifted. You are so gifted with influence in that. It's usually eff, eff, uh, effortless. It's just redemptive participation. You sometimes you think these people are just like they hold no standard. You're like, man, these people are wishy washy. They're not wishy washy because they're able to listen. Does not make them wishy washy. They're able to listen, and they know when to insert, and they know when not. They're not wishy-washy. They're just people drawers. They're influencers. And so they'll listen. He's like, wait, do you agree with that? It's like, no, I don't agree with that, but, but I'm going to listen to that person. I'm going to talk to that person. And so don't, don't mistake them for that. They, they, they're looking at the long game. They're looking at redemptive participation. All right, moving on. Then I'm going to end with these questions. You know, actually, I'm going to end with this. Um, I don't, the questions, I'll, still, I'll send these out to, to Glenn and so you can get them. Um, but I feel like this story is, is, is probably more applicable. I, we have a lot of refugees in Colombia who are, who are from Bosnia. Uh, they, they were able to come over because of the war, the, the Bosnian and uh, the, um, goodness, the other country there. Serbian, the Bosnian-Serbian war, and, and they speak the same language. They look the same. And they were killing each other by their draw. I mean, when the Soviet Union fell, and they just it, just, it was a tragedy, and still is. I mean, these people, you'll talk to them, they'll tell stories of it, and they've lost family, their whole family. Um, they'll cry about just what their, what their um, elders had to go through. And so this story actually was interesting because I had never heard it, but I'm just going to read it here. On May 28, 1992, and that was when uh, the hotbed of when it all kind of came to light and people were actually taking note, the principal uh, cellist in the Sarajevo opera, opera dressed in his formal black tails and sat down on a fire-scorched chair in a bomb crater to play Albanese's uh, Adagio in G minor. The site was, and that's just to, to play a, a piece, an orchestra piece. The site was outside a bakery in Sahalmovic's so neighborhood where, two, where 22 people waiting in line for bread had been killed the previous day, the very previous day. During the siege of Sarajevo from 1992 to 1995, more than 10,000 people were killed. The citizens lived in constant fear of shelling and snipers while struggling each day to find food and water. Smolovic lived near one of the few working bakeries where a long line of people had gathered when a shell exploded. He rushed to the scene and was overcome with grief at the carnage. For the next 22 days, one of each victim of the bombing, or the next 22 days, one for each victim of the bombing, he decided to challenge the ugliness of war with his only weapon, beauty. Known as the cellist of Sarajevo, Samalovich not only performed outside the bakery, but continued to unleash the beauty of his music in graveyards, at funerals, and the rubble of buildings and in the sniper-infested streets. I never stopped playing music throughout the siege, he said. My weapon was my cello. Although completely vulnerable, Samalovich was never shocked. It was as if the beauty of his presence repelled the violence of war. His music created an oasis amid the horror. It offered people Hope to the, it offered hope to the people of Sarajevo and a vision of beauty to the soldiers who were destroying the city. A reporter asked him if he was crazy for, for playing in the war zone. Smolovich replied, why do you not ask if they are crazy for shelling Sarajevo? That story gets me every time. It's just, it's just uh, and that actually really happened. I got to talk to some people who are from Bosnia, and they, re they remember that. They recall that. But he used his influence to not curse at something that was going on, but to say, and that's why I mentioned the hairdressers, to say, you know what, I'm gonna use what God gave me to, to bring beauty and to, and to reverse where there's already a curse in this place. That's the beauty of, of, of evangelism. I hate calling it evangelism. It's called, the Bible calls it evangelism, so I'll, I'll stick with that. But, I, but it, it brings this whole thing up when it's really just going out and reversing the curse where there is one, because God's given us the ability to do that. He's given you the ability to do that. 
And, and really, this area is counting on you to do that. And so these last six questions. Um, are you living in a way that requires God's supernatural power for your calling to be lived out? Mind you, I don't, I don't have these down. <laughs> so, so don't ask me these back is what I'm saying. I don't want you to ask. No, I'm joking. Are you living in a way that requires God's supernatural power for your calling to be lived out? Are you taking the kinds of risks and dreaming the kinds of dreams that will never reach fruition unless God shows up and provides what is needed? Are you radically trusting that God will provide when you are faithful to give? Are you trusting God to show you when and what to speak and to whom? Are you trusting God to reveal sin and selfishness in you? And are you fully repenting of your sin by seeing it, owning it, and turning from it so that you can get your eyes off yourself and see the hurting and poor with Christ-like compassion? And I close there, and I don't, I don't, I don't close there to say, oh, it, we, we brought it down to the sin issue. No, the, the sickness of sin is that it makes us focus here instead of there. And so um, I just would ask that um, as, as, you've, as you've heard this, just, just think of one person that you can say, you know what, I can share this with them. Because all it takes is one. Or if you're gifted, tw- 12. Or if you're a hairdresser, you got a whole arsenal of people. And we, we can have a, I want to have a meeting after the service with the hairdressers. Because <laughs> y'all help me with my issues. No, but, but really, just one person. One individual. One life. And if, it, if that brings fear, say, God, what is it in me that makes this uh, unavailable to my spirit? What is it in me that, that, that I need to uh, ask someone to pray with me over that, ask um, God to move so that I'm able just to voice the move of God that's going on inside of me, because it's in all of us. It really is. Glenn. DeMarcus, thank you. I, I doubt if you're even aware of what a deep chord you touched in a lot of areas. And in this atmosphere, I want to just touch on a couple of things. And I'm not trying to re-preach his message. I don't do that. But I remember the time when I first started out in ministry that, honestly, the people around the area wouldn't believe that God had done this work in me and God was pushing me. So I went to the streets. And I became one of the first in that area to do bar ministry. Every Friday night, my brother and I would go to the bar, open our Bibles, and sit and drink Diet Coke. And it was amazing how many people would come by. And we'd wind up praying with the rape waitresses. We'd wind up praying with people. And the bartender there even began to say, if you can hold that till Friday night, we got some people coming down here that'll pray with you. Think of that. One time we went to a bar that wouldn't let us in, and so we set up outside and just started praying with people. People started coming out of the bar to be prayed for. Pretty soon the owner came out and said, we've emptied the stage, you guys might as well come in and preach because you've emptied the bar. In that bar, 26 people got saved that night. I'm just telling you, that we've become, not, not all of you, but many of us have become the Sanhedrin, where we measure doctrine and decide whether or not the people should follow it. When in reality, for some reason, Jesus was accused of a lot of things because he was out among people. And this is an important, important message in our steps of growth, Demarcus. Thank you guys for taking the time from your house and coming to our house. You hairdressers will love just a story I heard just this morning. There's some people that had built a very successful nail, whatever they do with nails. They built a very successful business. 90% of their business was prostitutes. These people got saved, and they were asking themselves, how can we not lose our clientele yet live out our salvation? The husband was a singer, so he said, I'll sing worship music, and you do nails. And they did that, and in the course of just a few months, over 500 prostitutes not only got saved, but had their lives changed 
because somebody stayed with it. Somebody took it outside of the house and began to let people know that God had changed their lives and he could change theirs. Folks, God didn't come to take us completely out of the world. He came to empower us and move us into the world. That we'd be in the world and not of the world. Instead, we have become of the world and very little in the world. And this is the kind of preaching we need to... I need it. I need to be reminded. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this message, for DeMarcus' willingness to present it. God, I know these things are not easy to do because we're presenting something that is so contrary to our thinking, but we know it's God. And Lord, I agree that if we do this, this house will grow. I also agree that we kind of like our close-knit family, but God will open the doors and expand it if you'll bring them. <laughs> we'll do that. Now, God, help us to go forth having made a commitment. God, we ask you to bless the meal downstairs. Lord, help us to just enjoy one another. And, Lord, I pray that about a big crowd of people gather around to Marcus and ask him questions, pull him out of his, uh, out of his introversion. And <laughs> now, God, you do what you want to do. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for these people. Amen.